Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm here with Michael Arrington at the Binance Blockchain Week, um, and we'll get into We'll dive into what, uh, how Michael got into crypto, what his investment thesis is, what Addington XRP is trying to do, and um, <laughs> we'll find out if, if Michael is actually planning to move to Singapore or not. Yeah, uh, no, definitely not. Definitely not? I would if I was an American. As an American, you, you know, we're the only country really where you pay taxes wherever you go in the world. You can't sure. get, yeah, so yeah. you come here and you pay American taxes, and so um, if I moved here, I, I would consider getting a home here. Okay. Uh, I'm here a lot now, um, but I don't think I'd move here permanently. No. And part of the problem is I have dogs, okay. and so where are my dogs going to be, right? I don't know if you can even bring them into the country, but if you're traveling a lot, you have to have a home base. And yeah. So yeah. there's people I met here, not to get off topic, but you'll just cut it out if you don't like it, but yeah. I meet these people who are like, you know, they live in three different countries, yeah. and they just go all over the place, which yeah. is fantastic. It's just you can't really have pets then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, where do you I, live, by the way? I live in Singapore. We're based yeah. in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think you could definitely move dogs to Singapore. It's legal. It is legal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you might have to go through some paperwork, like with everything in Singapore. Yeah, everything. But, in, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I'm sure it'll be a fairly efficient process, uh, like yeah. with everything in Singapore. Then I'll move. I'll move to Singapore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so jokes aside, I mean, I want to quickly get your background. And okay. um, you've obviously had uh, a very colorful life. You've started multiple companies. I have, yeah. you, you've exited yeah. uh, a couple of companies. So just want to get your background and mm-hmm. uh, and how did cryptocurrency come about? Yeah, for how, me. Yeah. How, yeah. Did, how did you enter the blockchain space? Well, um, I mean, I'm 50 years old. So I could talk for three hours about my background, but it's going to get pretty boring, right? So um, the, the short version is, is I, was, I, was, I happened to go to law school in Silicon Valley. That was sort of random. And I happened to graduate about the time the internet happened in the yeah. mid-90s. And, 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 I, and so because of that, I was in the middle of Silicon Valley when, when things got very interesting in the mid-90s. Uh, Netscape and came out and Amazon went public and all this stuff happened and suddenly technology was really fun. It was, before it was just semiconductors and stuff like that, and it got fun. And so I just ended up at a law firm doing technology work, and then from there it was a natural progression to end up at a client. I worked for a client in, in tech, and I've been in tech all my life. So the yeah. first thing, I, I'd left my original client, I started my own company, and then the, the 2000 meltdown happened. Um, and so I've been through some stuff, and because of that, Things like last year happening don't phase yeah. me as much. So, 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 yeah. Sorry to jump in, but talk, like, yeah. could you walk us through what the sentiments were during 2000? I was sure. eight, I was eight years old in 2000. Jesus. So I, I don't exactly remember sure. uh, how that went down, but okay. it would be good to well, get so your So imagine this. So in 1995, the internet sort of happened for most people. That's when most people could download Netscape. Do you know yeah. what Netscape is? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, a browser. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then type in yahoo.com. Yeah. And, and like, wow, suddenly stuff was interesting. And um, before that, people had email. But, um, and then all these businesses started going public. And then, and, then, and then suddenly, there were like three different companies that sold pet food online in the United States. And then yeah. companies were selling furniture online, yeah. which doesn't make sense because it costs a lot to move furniture around. But these companies were suddenly worth like billions of dollars. And 
people thought, well, you know, there's, I better get, since I, I can't figure out the internet and why it's working, but as an investor, I better get behind it. So they put their money in, the values went up and up and up until finally it just all blew up in 2000. Yeah. Um, it, from an entrepreneur's standpoint, it sucked because it was very, very hard to raise money mm. afterwards. Um, but um, it was good, I think, to have a, a sort of a hard reset. Yeah. Um, I think Amazon had already been public. I think their stock fell to next to nothing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so you had a hard reset, you had a few years of nothing happening, and then, and then even though Google's around, then Google went public in like, oh, 2005, I think, yeah. and then things got very interesting from there. Yeah. Um, to be in it was hard because I was young, and I had only seen the markets go up, yeah. and I didn't know if that was the end, like tech was over, and if my career was over, and what I was going to do, and you get this sort of existential angst, and, and it's, it's really hard. And so I know what a lot of people are going through now, because what happened last year is, in crypto is very similar to yeah. what happened. And, um, and similar amounts of money were lost and all that. Yeah. Um, but I have those battle wounds now. Yeah. And that scar tissue built up. And so now it takes a lot more to phase me. Yeah. So I'm unfazed by yeah. last year. So you came out stronger. Yeah. Well, yeah. I came out of it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you guys who this is maybe the first real shit you've seen. Yeah. Uh, the next time it happens, it won't, it won't be as dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but even so, I think the community has weathered it, you know, fairly well. Yeah. Um, it's been a really tough year, yeah. and uh, people weathered it pretty well. Yeah. So anyway, after that, I started a bunch of companies, and none of them did particularly well. Um, I moved to England, I moved to Denmark, I moved to Canada, um, and company after company, and I just knew someday I'd start a company that worked. And then I, um, I finally said, well, maybe I'll start a blog um, just to sort of keep up with stuff and yeah. not just read news, but write it as well. Yeah. And that's when I started TechCrunch as a hobby mm. in 2005. And that actually turned out to be my best business. Yeah. And it was an accident. Yeah. And I did that um, within five years. TechCrunch was pretty big. It was a, it was a big company after five years. Yeah. Never raised any venture capital, which is great. And I sold it to AOL in 2010. Yeah. Um, it was hard to sell it, but um, you know, I think the people who've run it after me have kept it alive and strong and growing, and it's, I'm proud of it. Yeah. So. It's always hard to yeah. sell your company. Yeah. And then I became a venture capitalist, and I did that for a few years, and I invested in some great companies. Yeah. And um, along the way, just being in Silicon Valley, you hear, you heard about Bitcoin when it first came out. Um, by 2010, there was some buzz around it. Um, by 2012, I was buying. I'd, I'd accumulated some, yeah. sold it, bought it. Um, Ether was around, you know, when that started happening. It's just part of the tech community. So I had some cryptocurrencies, but I wasn't, and I even made some investments, but I hadn't done anything significant, and I just considered it part of the, te the technology ecosystem. Mm. I think last year, sorry, 2017, not last year, two years ago now, it, it really became clear that there's something special here. Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, in particular, Ethereum became sort of the, the thing that galvanized my thinking in terms of this is possibly more than just digital gold. Yeah. And that the, the opportunities are possibly endless when you start thinking in terms of, of a blockchain, you know, holding code and being a contract and, and instead of just a ledger. Yeah. And, and so I think everybody started thinking in those terms in 2017. And that's when I decided I'm interested enough in this that I'm not going to do normal tech anymore. Mm. I'm going to sort of set my venture fund aside. I have a very good partner who continues that business. And I'm going to create a new fund mm. just focused on crypto yeah. and really explore that. So it's not just the opportunity. It's also that I get, you get, everybody gets bored after they do the same thing for a while. Yeah. And I was bored after TechCrunch for a while. I was bored after being a VC for half a decade, a little more. 
now this is what I want to do. And it, it keeps you young to learn new things. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm like a brand new. I mean, there's, I'm, I don't know much. Yeah. I know more now than I did, but yeah. it, it was a steep learning curve. Yeah. And I get in it, so you get passionate about it, you dig in. So yeah. not a hard thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And so now you mentioned you've yeah. got this new fund. It's called Arrington XRP. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any reason why XRP is part of the name yeah. of the fund? Mm -hmm. When I decided in 2017 that I wanted to get into crypto, I started making some investments and I made some at my venture firm, which was called Crunch Fund. Okay. But venture funds really can't do much in crypto. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they need to do equity mostly, yeah. um, just contractually. Yeah. And so I started doing stuff outside of um, the venture fund on my own yeah. uh, with some friends. And, and then I realized, like I started making some money, I realized like this needs to be in a fund and right. I, need to, I need to raise other people's money because yeah. if you're wealthy and you invest your own money, it's great, but there is nothing better in this world than taking other people's money yeah. and investing it it's the biggest and drug. getting a cut. <laughs> OPM. It is, it, is, it is amazing. Yeah. OPM. <laughs> uh, so I decided I need to raise a fund, needed to be a hedge fund, couldn't be a venture fund. And I happen to know the Ripple guys extremely well. Sure. The CEO is one of my best friends. Okay. So I went to them for advice on how to do it. Yeah. And that's really just how it worked. And, and then I started realizing how great XRP, the Ripple, the currency associated with the company Ripple, yeah. how great it is actually for a hedge fund. Hmm. Hedge funds move a lot of money around. Yeah. Between uh, back and forth to LPs, back and forth to companies we invest in, back and forth between, <clears throat> excuse me, the GP and the LP. Yeah. And. It actually, as, as anybody that is in crypto knows, it's actually kind of a pain in the ass to actually use Bitcoin to move money around. I mean, you know, it's fine to do one transaction, but like, you know, the wait times get very long, the fees get astronomical. XRP, that never happens. Like, people complain about being more or less centralized, but mm. if you just need to move some money very quickly and very cheaply, and by very quickly, I mean within a couple seconds getting, you know, getting everything verified, mm. it's, it's perfect. Yeah. So is and your fund so denominated sense. in it XRP? Is. Yeah. And so okay. Ripple is not an investor. Sure. None of the executives or founders of Ripple are investors. Okay. But they educated me to the point where I realized it's perfect for a fund to be denominated in Ripple. Okay. Sorry, in XRP. And, and just that's how it's been. Yeah. And so you take subscriptions into your fund in XRP? Well, we, uh, we're not an open fund. We have a very closed group of LPs. Okay. And um, they're confidential who they are. Sure. And uh, it's a very small number, like okay. four. Oh wow! And okay. and that's it. So we're we are we are. It is other. It is the we third party money, hmm. um, but we're not like an open fund. But is it yeah. denominated in USD? In, it's in denominated the, in XRP. It's denominated. Yep. So you'd you'd give once your LPs want to redeem their money, they would redeem in XRP. You would pay them back in yeah. XRP. Yeah, and it's hard to think of it in terms of denominating a, a hedge fund in a cryptocurrency because not yeah. many people have done it besides us. Yeah. I don't know if anyone's done it besides us. Yeah. But when people start trying to get their arm around it, I go, I just pretend we're denominated in yen or euros. Like, it's not that hard. Yeah. Like, yeah, we operate in the US. A lot of times we talk in terms of dollars. But when it really comes down to keeping the books and making redemptions, it's, it's, it's XRP. Yeah. And it's just, it's like, it's yen or it's yeah. euros. And people get it now. But yeah. does it add to the challenge? Because you have no, to hedge. No. Because you have to hedge against XRP moving and XRP being. We could uh, hedge if well, we want to. Okay. Is it something that you do? Oh, I'm not sure if you're able to disclose that. It, no, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm open book. Uh, yeah. So let's actually think about what you said. Yeah. We're denominated in XRP. Sure. We're buying stuff. Yeah. Um, our books are in XRP. Yeah. People redeem in XRP. Yeah. The real fear is the price of XRP skyrockets upwards yeah. from our point of view. Because suddenly XRP goes up. We're denominated in XRP, but we don't hold a lot because yeah. we've bought other stuff. Yeah. Suddenly, when we convert back into XRP, it's much more expensive. Absolutely. And so we could be in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, if the price plummets, yeah. 
it actually works in reverse. Yeah. And it, it happens to be that last year, the price of XRP declined ninety-something uh, percent yeah. from our first close until the end of the year. Yeah. Um, it worked out very, very well for us. Mm. Even in a crushingly bad market, it just yeah. happened to. We got lucky in the sense that XRP. Now, I'm happy to take the risk. Yeah. By the way, no one's ever asked me this question. Yeah. And it's a really good question yeah. because there's you really got to think through this, and, and I, this has never been asked. Yeah. But if you think about this. It's fine, I'm willing to take the risk. Yeah. And last year, huge upside. Mm. If the price went up, downside. So I could find ways to hedge, although hedging XRP was impossible when we closed our fund, it's still pretty hard. Yeah. Um, but the real problem is that I have a fund called XRP Capital yeah. that has a perverse delight when the price of XRP falls. Yeah. <laughs> and you've sort of picked yeah. up on that. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that's a problem. Yeah. And so we have worked out less less because I'm worried about hedging risk and more because I don't want to actually have some weird perverse delight when, when XRP falls. We have worked out a mechanism where our incentives are aligned uh, with actual XRP holders hmm. so that we don't have anything weird going on. Now, how we do that, that's probably a little more confidential than I'd like to get into, okay. but we have yeah. done that, yeah. Sure. Um, and so in terms of your investment thesis, mm -hmm. I mean, you've been a VC before this. Mm -hmm. um, are there certain mental models that you use? I'm not sure if you've been an yeah. investor in the public markets before that. No. Um, no. But are, is there something that you bring some, from the quote-unquote traditional yeah. VC world into the crypto world that you think uh, helps you make better investments? I, I absolutely do, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I don't know if it helps you make better investments. It's different. Yeah. Um, your decision-making process. It's very different. Yeah. Um, and it's more built by true Silicon Valley DNA sure. um, that you don't see a lot of in crypto yet. Um, so first of all, there is one thing, it's not exactly the same investing in crypto tokens as it is in VC. Sure. VC, you make a bet, you wait a few years, yeah. you either make money or you don't. Crypto, you make a bet, you wait a few days, it goes on an exchange, you either make money or you don't, you choose to sell or not, it, the way I think of it in my head is VC investing is two-dimensional. You make the bet, you wait, you see how it does. Mm. Crypto is three-dimensional in the sense that you make the bet and then you're constantly making decisions whether to buy or sell as soon as that token is liquid. And it's, it, it is one, it, it, it means much faster business cycles, as you know. Yeah. Thinking much, it could just, it's just like, it's like doing VC on, on not an asset, on speed. Because yeah. everything's super fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I love yeah. the fact that you have to make those independent decisions. Yeah. And not only that, but if you sell, you choose to sell because it's the right thing to do. But if you sell, it can hurt the company because we hold large positions. Yeah. So, you know, is it ethical to hurt the company? It never is. Yeah. Also, it might hurt ourselves because we knock the price down because we have such high volume. So there's just a million things to consider. Sure. And I love learning those skills new. Mm. But what did transfer over from being a VC that I think is helpful is how I make investments. And I talked about this in my panel today. Um, I, there's always a business plan and an idea and an execution plan and a, and a deck. Yeah. And you do go through it and you talk to them about it, but I actually don't care that much about the idea. Yeah. I care about the person. Yeah. And I specifically, and, I, and I'm not just saying that, I, I specifically care about certain personality types. Yeah. And like Freudian personality mm. types. And what you, like, people to avoid and people to be more interested in. I avoid narcissists and psychopaths. And it's like, of course you avoid psychopaths, but like half the battle is actually learning how to identify who's a psychopath. Yeah. Because a high functioning psychopath is very difficult to determine, yeah. very difficult to understand. 
And for different reasons, narcissists and psychopaths probably are 75% of people that pitch us. Yeah. And for different reasons, one, they're just bad. Yeah. So that's half the battle. You really look, there's still lots of other personality types. There's manic depressive, there's obsessive compulsive. Yeah. I'm paranoid. Yeah. There's, um, there's uh, schizoid. Yeah. And schizoid's a really interesting one because these are the artists, the dreamers, the crazy scientists, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you're talking about Steve Jobs. Vitalik is clearly, you know, you're talking about people on the spectrum. And I don't mean that in any kind of derogatory way. Mm -hmm. I mean, people who are possibly savants in mm -hmm. certain ways. Um, but certainly just look at the world a little differently. Yeah. And those are the people that just, they, because they see the world differently, they can break things out of the mold mm -hmm. and, you, and, and, and really like change the world. Yeah. And when you change the world, you can get 20,000 X returns. Yeah. So I look for schizoids in yeah. particular, yeah. but they're bad, they're bad at running companies. So mm. normally you have to have a good supporting cast around them mm. of different personality types. And sometimes mm. that includes some narcissists. Mm. It could include a psychopath. Mm. It could include some OCD people to make sure all the details are taken care of. Yeah. But that's what I look for. And the rest is just dressing. Like if the idea is good, that's fine. But if the idea sucks, they're going to pivot. Yeah. And the pivots work often. Yeah. yeah. And so I really, it's really just finding those very, very special people in the world, putting money behind them, trusting them, and then getting the right supporting cast around them to, to make them be successful. Yeah. What are some and of the characteristics? And that's it. Yeah. What, I mean, sorry to jump in. Yeah. What are some of the characteristics of a schizoid? Like, what, what do you look out for? Well, they, first of all, I'm not a psychologist. Although I have done sure. a lot, I've yeah. done a lot of, um, taking a lot of classes in this area specifically to help me identify. Yeah. Um, but schizoids live a rich inner life. Yeah. Um, and schizophrenics are low, it's a disorder, mm. right? And it's when you're very low functioning and mm. you know, you're, you're split personality. Sure, right? sure. But high functioning schizoids are um, super functional yeah. and really interesting, normal people. Mm. Some people think Obama might be a schizoid, mm. um, for example. Like just really interesting people, a lot of artists and that kind of thing. Um, there's ways to uh, there's ways to identify them, and I won't get into that because you can read a psychology book. Yeah. Know, um, but there are the really interesting thing is that they are um, they're they don't trust people quickly. Yeah. So once you build trust with them, and again, I'm speaking generally, but once mm. once they trust you, they're they're lifelong friends. Mm. Um, sometimes you deal with people on the spectrum. Mm. You know what I mean by that. Uh, yeah. And they're yeah. always you got to handle them differently. Mm. Um, but Regardless of the difficulties in dealing with them, they're, they're people that are true creators in our society and mm. do the, uh, usually do the most interesting things, in my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I think those are, those are fascinating viewpoints. I've yeah. interviewed quite a few people. I've never had, um, you know, people always talk about backing a team, yeah. um, but they don't actually talk about Why the, and how, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's super interesting. Let's change gears a little bit, okay. talk about uh, crypto and blockchain and what you're on the lookout for, what you're most excited about. Um, so there are certain themes this year, um, you know, privacy coins, especially with the launch of Grin uh, recently, has been in the news. Uh, stable coins um, was, yep. was the big hype in 2018. I think yep. that might continue this year. Um, stable coins are useful. Absolutely. Um, STOs, I mean, I, I don't know what your thoughts on it or are on all these sort of developments. Yep. Uh, is there something in particular that you're excited about or you're on the lookout for uh, from an investment perspective? No. There's always a trend. Yeah. And the trends are all useless. I, yeah. There could be, we actually invested in one security token last year, a company called Nexo that has done super well. Yeah. Um, Nexo uh, basically loans out cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, makes loans against cryptocurrency. Yeah. Um, one of the best, in, uh, one of the best investments we did last year. Hmm. 
Um, but I don't think we've done a lot of other security tokens. And that was almost, it didn't matter it was a security token, we just did it because the business model was great. Sure. Um, we, we did a lot of sort of core platform deals last year, mm. uh, you know, level one chains. And we did a few stable coins. Um, and we would still do all of that. We'd still do utility tokens. We'd still do level one uh, chains. We'd still do stable coins. Um, I, I just, again, I, 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 just, I just look for the teams. Yeah. And by the time these trends are actually cemented and solidified to the point where we truly understand them, sometimes the opportunity has already passed. Mm. Um, so, no, there's nothing. We also do equity. Like, we yeah. do anything. Yeah. And, um, you know, as long as we do well, our LPs will like us. Yeah. But that's about it. Yeah. I think, I just, look, I like, for some reason, and investors do this more than anyone, they like, they think they need to, to, to sound smart, you just, you say that, you know, we're, you know, we've left the stablecoin regime and we're moving into the STOs. Yeah. It's just like, nobody knows. Yeah. And there might be great utility tokens that are yet to be invented. Yeah. And I'm not going to uh, shoebox myself into, shoehorn myself into, you know, saying that I think one thing is going to be something yeah. else. Sorry, yeah. I don't know if I'm answering these. No, no, no. That, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, yeah. uh, this is good. One of the last points that we want to talk about, I know we're running out of time. We are. Um, equity deals. Yeah. Um, so since you're structured as a hedge fund, how does that yeah. work? Do you, it's are there hard. Any, are we there any yeah. We've done equity and we do equity, but it's, it, is a, it, is, it is difficult because we are a hedge fund, so we need to remain liquid. liquid. Yeah. And so anything that isn't liquid goes into a side fund. Okay. And that causes some pain. Yeah. Uh, to the extent we have redemptions, that doesn't get redeemed until it becomes liquid. Hmm. It, it causes additional pain for our accountants because they have to value it um, sure. uh, in, a, in a subjective way. Hmm. Um, but we do do it, but we try to keep it to 5% of the fund or less. Okay. Yeah. 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 And what's, I mean, if someone wants to get in touch, what's the, what's the best way? Uh, or, or just write to the XRP, Addington XRP? You have my card. They could ask I, you. I, for the audience. Um, well, they could reach out to you. <laughs> and you could filter what you think is good. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, at Arrington on, I'm at Arrington on uh, uh, Twitter. Okay. Yeah, you can DM me. Yeah. I'm Michael Arrington you're, on Facebook. Sure. I'm not hard to get a hold of. Mm. So you're, you're active on Twitter, right? I see you're fairly active on Twitter. Way too active on Way Twitter. Way too active. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Michael Arrington, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Great. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.